Yo, this is Pastor Dita here, welcoming you to another episode of My Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And today we're continuing part three of our series, The Road to Easter, as we're looking at Good Friday, the road that Jesus took in route to the cross. Now, there's so much and there's so many things that happened, so many things that Jesus said, which we don't have the time for. But all of it, all of it points to some amazing truths that we're going to examine today. So here we go. Hello and welcome to part three of our series, The Road to Easter, as we are looking at different roads that Jesus took in route to the cross so that we can learn how to find peace and hope in our journey that we call life. And so right now what we're going to do today is we've been looking at a few moments. We're going to look at probably the highlight or the climax that is leading up to everything right now, which is the crucifixion. Everything that Jesus was doing and living for was for this point right here. Now, three days later, something else happens. It just caps it off. But we're going to leave that for Sunday. But for today, we're going to focus on what happened to Christ, the road that Jesus took that led him all the way from the governor's headquarters all the way through Golgotha, where he would be crucified. Now, along that path, you can actually visit a place that's called the Via Dolorosa, which means the way of grief. And there are 14 different stations that have been marked off to have said to be, this is where this happened, or Jesus experienced this at this point along that road. And so you can walk and experience that today, but we, we're going to do that in, in one you know, case virtually, because there's a lot of things that happen, but we're going to look at something super important at the very beginning that Jesus Jesus said, and then everything he did after that along the road from the governor's headquarters to Golgotha actually shows us something amazing. And here's the thing right here, because we're talking about the way of grief. And I know for us, it's really hard to experience certain kind of grief or pain and try to find purpose or reason for it. Let's just be real. Sometimes things may happen and you understand why you're upset about it. Maybe it's your fault or maybe it's not your fault. And you know, this happened because of this and you had nothing to deal with it. You know, nothing to do with that. All right. But if we can be honest, there's just sometimes things happen and we don't know why. There, there could be a reason. I believe there is, but maybe we always don't know what it is. You and I struggle with having to find purpose in our pain. But what we see Jesus do is he experienced pain on purpose. And this is the purpose. He actually laid it out as he was talking to Pontius Pilate. He says in John 18, 37 to 38, Pilate is interrogating him and trying to figure out, all right, they're saying you're some king here that I got to handle you. You're some criminal troublemaker. Uh, are you really a king? Jesus replies back, says something, and then Pilate answers back. Wait, so you are a king then? He's trying to figure this whole scenario out. Jesus replies, well, you say that I'm a king. I was born for this and I have come into the world for this. This is my purpose in life to testify to the truth. Whoever is of the truth, listen to my voice. And he asked this amazing question, and what is truth? Now, see that right there, Jesus said, all right, he said right there, my whole life and my whole purpose of existing, everything I've ever said and done, and everything I will continue to say and do, is for one reason and one reason only, to testify to the truth, to help the world come to realize what is the truth, or better yet, who is the truth? See, that's where Pilate asked the wrong question. He said, well, what is it? Like if 
Truth was information. Now see, truth is a person. It's a who. And it was staring right into his eyes. Once he said that, everything else that happened along that way of grief, along the road, gave us example after example of an amazing truth about who God is and who we are. And I want to focus on a couple of truths and some interesting altercations. Again, we can't talk all of them, but there was something that really should mark us. And number one, it's this. This is the testimony that Jesus came to testify. All right. This is what he came to testify to this truth. And the truth was this, that he came to bear our sins and not his own. Jesus did nothing wrong falsely accused and was brought to suffer and was asked to suffer a, a, a crime or, you know, be murdered like a criminal. And when he committed no crimes, that's what was going down. But yet here's the thing that he wanted us to see that, listen, he was there not because he did anything wrong, but because we did. He came to bear our sins, not his. And two things happened that showed us that. Number one was Pilate later on after Jesus, they had Jesus flogged and, and beaten and stuff like that. They're, you know, Pilate's is trying to squash the scenario, move on, all right, and just kind of start the weekend. And what happens is this. He goes, you know what? I got this. How about this? I, I know that around this time, uh, I release a prisoner to you, right? This is the custom that we do. Well, tell you what, I can, I'll give you a choice this year. I can release Jesus to you, right? Or Barabbas. And now he used the most, I mean, ridiculous A-B contrary scenario. Because see, Jesus, everybody loved Jesus. Well, there were some people that didn't. That's why he was there. Most people loved Jesus. Jesus did nothing wrong. And Barabbas was called, the gospel say, a revolutionary. He was someone. He was a murderer, a thief. This guy was someone who was trying to overthrow the Roman government. He was an anti-government zealot. And he's kind of the, the ends justifying the means kind of a guy. Whatever it takes. And that's why he was in jail. Because he was doing whatever it took and it wasn't enough. And he got busted. This guy was horrible. A despicable, I mean, this is not the model citizen. And to Pilate's shock, the crowds yell, give us Barabbas. We don't want Jesus. Give us Barabbas. So he did. And so here, look at this. Look how that moment testifies to a truth. Jesus, an innocent man, remained and would be condemned to be a criminal. And here, a real criminal who was guilty was set free. Jesus took his place. See, Jesus came to bear our sins, not his own. We are the rebellious revolutionaries who have rebelled against the authority of God. We're the ones who have been found guilty, but yet Christ remained. And because he took our place, we, the guilty, can be set free. That's, he came to testify to that truth that yes, you're guilty. Yes, you don't deserve it. But I am willing to make it possible for you to experience that and be truly set free and changed. Now, that's an amazing one. And there was a similar one that happened a little bit after that. See, Jesus had been so beaten so violently that he was beginning to be exhausted. I mean, he had probably not slept, eaten for, you know, drunk anything for, you know, hours, maybe, you know, a night or two. And his body is tired. And see, the Romans, what they would do is as you would walk from the conviction, right, from this moment to the cross, it was a good little bit until where you would be crucified. And they would make you carry your own cross. But here's the kicker. The Romans would make you carry your cross naked. You would be hung on the cross naked. And you had to carry that cross throughout the city in public display. 
naked to bring one final shame and upon the guilty. That's what it was. But also to intimidate everybody else saying, this is what happens to you who stand up against Rome. Well, Jesus, tired, walking, carrying that cross as far as he could, about a third of the way to the hill called Calvary. Scriptures say, the gospels say he collapses. He was too tired to go any further. He just couldn't. And so they called an innocent bystander, this guy named Simon, and said, Simon, hey, you. They didn't know his name. He's like, you come here. You come here. This guy did nothing wrong. He was just standing there watching, observing. He came as a good Jew to, from Africa, which was where he was, to come celebrate the Passover and to honor the Lord and honor the God of the Israelites, right, to do that and bring his sacrifice. And they say, you carry his cross because he couldn't carry it any further. And so for two thirds of the remaining route to the cross, here is Jesus walking ahead of a man who was carrying the cross. And what's so beautiful about that image was this. See, Simon carried the cross, but Jesus was crucified on it. Simon carried the cross, but Jesus was crucified on it. Now, you could say, well, Simon was an innocent bystander, but yeah, he was an innocent bystander, but let's be real, he wasn't innocent. The reason why he was there in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover was to bring a sacrifice because he had sinned against God. And there was the system that you would bring a sacrifice for the covering of your sins. And Simon had no clue, had no clue that the man that he was following, the man whose cross he was carrying, was going to be the perfect sacrifice for him so that he can have all of his sins forgiven. He carried the cross, but Jesus was crucified on it. Listen, the same way you and I, we all have a cross to bear. We all have the burden of sin on our life, sin and death. But Jesus, Jesus died for our sins. He bore our sins, not his own. Now, that's an amazing testimony to the truth of God's great love for us and our great need for him. But there was one thing that happened. It happened at the very end. It was one of Jesus' final things that he did on the cross that actually shows us just who he really is. Now, before I say that, let me just tell you this about the cross. See, if you're going to be crucified, crucifixion was not meant to be execution necessarily because you could live on the cross crucified for days, sometimes weeks, because, see, crucifixion was meant to cause extreme suffering without killing you. It was the slowest of the slowest of deaths. That's why, I mean, the Romans were some twisted folks to come up with this. I mean, they found a way to literally drive nails into your wrists, right, without hitting any major arteries so you wouldn't bleed out but yet hit all of those nerve endings and it would cause excruciating pain down from your wrists, down your spine, and then your feet too. They found a way to get those, the, the nails in between the bones of your feet without breaking anything. And you would hang there. And let me tell you, because if you've never tried this, all right, try taking your arms, extending them back like if they were pinned against on a cross and you're extended forward. And your chest is now lifted up. And the fact that you're in that position now, there's a lot of pressure here. And it's too hard to breathe, necessarily do anything else. It's, it's very, it takes all of your energy and focus just to take a breath, let alone speak. And yet we saw Jesus constantly speaking. Everything that Jesus said, 
Every word that he said on the cross must have sounded so, mm, it, it, must, it, it could have made any of our blood just, just curdle from hearing the pain that, be, that it took because just to breathe, you would have to pull yourself up, scrape your back against that, pull yourself up on the bones and on your feet just to take a breath and say something. It was excruciating. Yet there was something that Jesus said at the very end. And he did something that was amazing. Now, remember what I said that you could last days and weeks on a cross. And then right when they kind of wanted to finish you off, what they would do is they would break your legs. Because in breaking your legs, now you could not push off the, your feet anymore or pull yourself up. Meaning you would now suffocate and you would drown in your own bodily fluids and your, your lungs would fill up and that's how you would die. That's why, they tried to, that's why they broke the legs of the two people that were with Jesus. Because, listen, they had only been there, got crucified that day and the Passover was coming up and they had to kind of clean up before the Passover. So it was like, you know, let's hurry this up, you know, break their legs. So they broke the legs, both people that Jesus was with. But when the Roman soldiers came to Jesus, they said, uh, he's already dead. Now they were shocked because we're like, wait a minute. He's only been hanging on the cross for six hours. Literally. We know that he was only hanging on the cross for six hours. Impossible. No one dies on the cross in that short a time. I don't believe it. So they said, hey, stab him, in, stab him in the side with the spear. Let's see if he's asleep. All right, let's see. We'll wake him up. All right, and let's see that. And Jesus didn't respond. In fact, blood and water came out of his side, which is actually a medical term. Because he, when a person dies, the plasma begins to separate. And all the water that's in, because we're made with so much water, right? The blood, okay, the plasma and all the red and, and all that water stuff inside your blood, it begins to separate. And the fact that blood and water came out of his side shows us medically that Jesus had been already dead for 30 to 40 minutes. How? Well, let me tell you, here's why. See, this is the good news, guys. The cross did not take Jesus's life. The Romans did not take Jesus's life. Those Jewish leaders did not take Jesus's life. The devil did not take Jesus's life. He laid his life down. Jesus did the impossible. In that moment, he testified to the truth that he is the Lord God over sin and death itself in that he died on command. That's what he did. He didn't, it wasn't taken from him. Life wasn't taken from him. And this wasn't like suicide neither. No, he laid his life down. He had the ability and the authority to lay it down. And because Christ had the authority to lay it down meant that he had the authority to pick it back up Again, that's what Jesus was talking about way before this when he told his apostles. His life was not taken. He laid it down. And because he laid it down, he was able to take it back again. And that's why three days later he rose from the dead. Because that right there shows us and gives us testimony to the truth that he is the one true living God and that there is none like him. And everything that Jesus experienced, guys, to wrap up, let me give you this bottom line here. Everything that Jesus did and said came, and especially on the cross, testifies to this amazing truth in that Jesus experienced grief so that we can find relief. That's what he did. He experienced the grief of the cross, the grief of becoming sin, of, of, of seeing that holy union 
hard because of wickedness. He experienced grief so that we can find relief, so that we can have the, our souls forgiven, the forgiveness of our sins, all of those things that we can be made right with God and receive peace between us and him. He experienced grief so that we can have relief because it was our sins. It was all of that should have come upon us. Yet Jesus took our place. See, Jesus took punishment on his hands with those nails because it was our hands that committed sin. Jesus took punishment on his feet because it was our feet that walked wicked paths. Jesus's back was beat to shreds because it was our back that bore the weight of our sin and the burden of death. Jesus took the crown of thorns dug into his skull because it was our mind that was full of wicked thoughts. And Jesus took a spear to his side to his heart because it was our heart that was corrupted and full of sin. He experienced all of that grief so that we can have relief from sin and death and enjoy eternal life with our God. Not just someday, but today. And if we, because look, he's already testified the truth of who he is and that we need him. And when you call on his name and when you experience that, that relief in your soul, now you and I can testify to the truth that Jesus is the Lord God and that there is none like him. In fact, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 1, 4, he says, he, Jesus, comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. See what he's saying is, listen, he experienced grief so that we can experience and find relief in our grief. And all of that right there is so that we can testify to the truth that Jesus is the Lord and that all of those who are grieving, all of those who are suffering the negative consequences of sin and death, they too can find relief for their soul in Jesus Christ. Jesus testified to the truth of who he is and we through our lives can testify to the truth of who he is by enjoying and, and be able to reflect all that he has, all that he has done. And see, that's what the cross tells us. See, the cross is a symbol. And this is why Good Friday matters. This is why the cross matters so much. Because the cross was meant to be a symbol of death and shame and intimidation. No, but now the cross is a symbol of hope and victory in the darkest of moments. That's what that means. Every time we look to the cross, it's a reminder that Jesus's grief brought us relief. Every time we look to the cross, we're remembering that his pain gives us purpose. And that's why we call this Good Friday. Jesus's grief gives us relief. Okay, that's why Good Friday is Good Friday, man. I know it's kind of weird, a weird name. Good Friday is a day when something very bad happened to a very good person, and he did it for our good. And so if the Lord has given you, if Jesus is bringing you relief right now in the midst of your grief, I want to challenge you right now to go and be a testimony to the truth and bring relief to others. Bring relief to others by telling them who Christ is, pointing them to the source of your relief, which is Christ Jesus himself. Serve others in word and in deed, pointing them to Jesus. That's what we are called to do. That's what the revolutionaries that God is looking for to change the world and to, and to be able to open up the eyes of the blind, those that God wants to use to bring the dead to life. 
are those that are being able and willing to testify to the truth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Okay, enjoy that, revel in that, celebrate in that, and live it, because there's so much more that God wants to do in your life. So I want to challenge you to come back a couple days later. Okay, we got Easter Sunday, and we're going to wrap up this series, The Road to Easter, with the road that Jesus took on his very last day. Here we go.